Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Thursday's edition of the programme with John Paul uh, sitting by taking your calls at 1850 You can text, you can WhatsApp 0862103103. A lot to get to on the programme today, but let's start as we've been doing for the last week or so with the what's coming out as the very latest on the coronavirus. And yesterday there was a high level briefing held where the powers that be sort of sat down and took a look at worst case scenario and this is just all still in the planning phase but I mean they're talking about things there would be a ban on people attending funerals all creches would uh, close that's if there if there was a worst case scenario with the coronavirus now of course we know four people from the same family were diagnosed with the virus last night uh, the, the this has been described as the first cluster of cases and it brings now the total number in the Republic of Ireland to six. The four people are believed to be two parents and a son and a daughter from County Clare. They had recently been on holidays. They'd been in Northern Italy and of course Northern Italy is the part of Europe and the part of Italy that's most affected by the coronavirus. It's now gone over 100, the number of people that have died from the virus in that area. Now this family, we're told, are in a hospital all we're hearing somewhere in the west of Ireland and they are being treated. Obviously now there's a major contact tracing exercise underway to find out if others were in close contact with this family and that is also going to include school pupils. We don't know what age the boy and the girl are but obviously they had gone back to school I'm assuming they were away from midterm and would have then gone back into school afterwards and then obviously some of the family members started to feel unwell because we know there's a 14 day or can be up to 14 days of an incubation uh, period. So four more here in the Republic and of course two more were diagnosed in Northern Ireland yesterday as well. So uh, then the there was this battle plan I suppose this is a good way of putting it in the event of a major escalation in uh, cases that's what was discussed yesterday I mean they envisage things like the Gardaí and the Defence Force has been drafted in if that was for fear that there would be any public order issues the high level briefing for cabinet ministers says that the government will stockpile food and they'll stockpile medicine they will also they'll also consider putting restrictions on purchases and that'll be introduced to prevent panic buying and panic buying I mentioned this with Simon when I was teeing up the programme in the last hour panic buying has gone on in Australia and of all things they're panic buying toilet rolls and they have run out of toilet rolls in many many supermarkets across Australia to the extent that the Kleenex factory in Australia is now operating 24-7. They don't normally operate 24-7 but they have to to try to restock the shelves with toilet paper and that was down to panic buying and the government in Australia are trying to say to people please, you know, hold off. You don't need to be panic buying but, you know, once panic buying starts 
people then start to think, oh, if everybody else is buying, maybe I need to buy, maybe I need to buy. And that's, you know. So anyway, the government is saying in a worst case scenario, they would put restrictions so that there wouldn't be panic buying. Because the danger with panic buying, uh, you get the empty shelves like what they're having in Australia. We're seeing empty shelves here with the face masks and also with the hand gel. And the danger then is somebody that genuinely needs those face masks or somebody that genuinely needs the hand gel, it won't be available for them. So, you know, everyone needs to not panic buy, buy what you need, but don't please uh, panic buy. Now, central to the government's emergency plan uh, could be the introduction of bans on any kind of mass gathering. Now, mass gathering would also include shopping centres. It would include people going to mass and it would include all forms of public transport. Again, I'm painting the doomsday scenario here, uh, folks. The leading infectious disease consultant is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jack Lambert and he's based out of the Marshall Hospital in Dublin. He said yesterday the expected arrival this coming weekend of a significant number of Italians who have booked to come to Ireland for what is now the Kansas Six Nations rugby match. He says that's going to increase the risk of person-to-person spread of the new coronavirus. Many Italian uh, fans will continue to just come and take a tourist uh, break. They've booked, they paid for the hotel, they paid for their flights. The match might have been cancelled. None of them got their money back. And now some people will decide not to come, but not all. There will be others who will still come. And hotels in Dublin are already saying that they have people booked in and the hotel is uh, is already paid for. And Italy... Uh, they have now taken the unprecedented step of closing all of their schools and all of their universities. That's They're trying to halt the spread of the coronavirus of all of the European countries. It's the one country that they just don't seem to be able to get a handle on it. So they've decided, OK, let's close all the schools, let's close all the universities. They've so far had 107 people die in uh, Italy and there are more than 3,000 people affected uh, in Italy which is Europe's worst outbreak. Of course the closure of the schools and the the universities well the schools causing nightmare for working parents who are now trying to find out what do they do for childcare when they weren't expecting the schools to to be closed. Italy, the Italian ministers are advising Italians to stop kissing. They're Italians will be one of the countries that do the double kiss on the cheek, don't they? You know, that's all stopping. Uh, they've advised Italians to stop hugging, stop handshaking when they meet other people. They also have gone further. They've told people over the age of 75 in Italy, they're the most vulnerable section in the population, to stay indoors as much as possible. The government in Italy say people should try to remain at least a yard apart when out in public. That obviously is going to spell commercial disaster for things like theatres, for the cinema for museums, for art galleries because they're areas where you can't help but be close to people and you certainly won't be a metre apart. And then our nearest neighbours in the United Kingdom, there are fears the infection could be spreading in hospitals as NHS patients were among 36 cases that were identified. That was a huge bump in the United Kingdom. It has uh, trebled the number of new cases in Britain. The total number of cases now in the UK uh, as of yesterday was at 87, even though that's already rising because there's more cases been identified in Scotland uh, today. But the warning from the Chief Medical Officer in Britain that they now, that a significant epidemic is now highly likely in the United Kingdom. And what's really worrying for the UK is three of the new cases were detected in hospital. 
uh, in hospitals and that's going to be a big, big worry for them. Here at home, a number of juvenile GAA fixtures due to take place this weekend have been postponed. Now that's as the direct result of the coronavirus case in the Dublin school. But GAA officials are also recommending the traditional post-match shaking of the hands be suspended at juvenile games and obviously that's to try to minimise the risk of spreading the virus. And yesterday we had a listener saying that she had heard that children seem to be the most spared both in coming down with the infection and also if they do get it in the severity and could we check out and why why was that the case and was that the case was it true and it does appear to be true that uh, children when they do get it they don't get it as, as severe and many of them don't show any symptoms at all they might have the virus but they don't show any symptoms and doctors don't know why fewer children are affected. It could be, say doctors, that they have weapons like antibodies in their bloodstream from exposure to viruses generally that offer some cross-protection. But the danger there with the children, particularly the ones that pick up the virus and then don't show any symptoms, they then become super spreaders. And we know the children like to get in close contact uh, with each other. And, and that could be the real danger if it gets out into the community. And someone else asked us to uh, find out about people. They, they, they have a family member who's diabetic and they were very worried about people with diabetes. Diabetes Ireland are saying those with poorly controlled diabetes would be at an increased risk of contacting the coronavirus. People with diabetes are advised to limit potential exposure, maintain excellent glucose control, eat a healthy, varied diet and get regular exercise if uh, possible. And then there's, what do they say? There's a, an, an ill wind always blows some good for some. The coronavirus ill wind is blowing a jobs bonanza to a county Limerick company. Due to the worldwide shortage of the face masks that we mentioned, even the Chinese are queuing up to purchase masks made by a company in Kilmallock. It's a company called Irma. They're a wholly owned Irish company and they're busy now recruiting new workers as it has to double output over the next week. And I'm reading a piece from uh, Jimmy Wolf in The Examiner uh, today where he spoke with the marketing manager, Kieran O'Brien, who said, we have a full-time workforce of 50. And because of the worldwide demands for face masks, we're now in the process of adding another 15 as we need to ramp up our operation from 24 hours, five days a week to 24 hours, seven days a week. He said the last time we had to ramp up was when the SARS virus struck and that was back in 2003. And Irma, they actually export most of their masks internationally to Western Europe and to the Middle East. But it also sells, sells to China, which is finding it extremely hard to keep up uh, stocks from their own manufacturers. So, um, Hugh and O'Brien said, up to now we would manufacture about 1.3 million masks a week. But with demand due to the coronavirus, we'll need to be doubling output to 26 million masks uh, a week. So uh, some people are going to pick up a little bit of extra work for themselves there in Kilmallock. 1850 uh, Some of your texts already coming in on that. Somebody, uh, Marge says, Mag, sorry Mag says, when are we going to cop on here and control incoming flights from Italy, etc. We need to ban Italians coming into the country. Someone else says, what is wrong with this 
with the HSE and government officials? Are they just so greedy that they want to allow the Italians in over the weekend? They're playing Russian roulette with their own citizens for the sake of a few euro. Would they ever cop themselves on? We will pay in human lives in the long run. So that's somebody else feeling that we should be banning all flights from Italy. But okay, if we ban all flights from Italy, do we then have to ban all flights? You could get a flight from Rome into Heathrow and then Heathrow on into Dublin. I mean, do we do we put a ban on all people with an Italian passport coming in? I, I don't even know how they would be able to do that. And Dennis says, um, oh, oh, sorry, somebody else says, close the whole country down. Close it down for two or three weeks. If they don't, many people will die. Uh, but can I just say to uh, once again try to allay people's fears in this country... Okay, we've had the four new cases yesterday in Clare and we have the two in the east of the country. So we've six in the Republic of Ireland. All six of those cases, the cluster of the one family and the two individual cases in the east, all were people who they themselves had been to northern Italy and come. So they picked up the coronavirus when they were away, came back, became unwell and are now being hospitalised and isolated, etc. We thankfully have yet to have a case of somebody catching the coronavirus or being diagnosed with the coronavirus who wasn't in northern Italy wasn't in China wasn't in any other in any of the other countries where there has been large outbreaks of the coronavirus because that's what's happening in the United Kingdom people are getting the coronavirus who have not been to any of the countries haven't been in contact with anyone who've been to the countries which then means it's in the community I mean I was very worried when I heard in Britain that there was three cases that were diagnosed of people who were in hospital and have been in hospital for the last number of weeks so they've picked it up they've got it from somebody in hospital and it isn't a hospital that has somebody with the coronavirus that somebody has come into the hospital somebody who's carrying the coronavirus that to me would be a big worry and that's what will be a big worry here is when it comes out in the community. It isn't out in the community yet and that's why the HSE and they do their press briefing every day and if everybody I think follows the good hand hygiene like we're told to do and follow all of the advice we may just be able to keep it to very small cases of the coronavirus and and all of them directly linked to people who have travelled to some of the areas. And as we know now, the government are advising people not to travel to any of those areas initially and not to travel to uh, China. And hopefully we will be able to contain it at that. Fingers crossed. 1850 Coming up on the programme uh, this morning, we're going to get an update from the meeting that was held this week with management of the HSE and this is that they went into a meeting to discuss the future of Bantry General Hospital and as we know we gave a lot of airtime to this issue a number of weeks ago with people very worried and doctors very worried and consultants at the hospital very worried that there could be some possible downgrading of the hospital and there's been lots of campaigns underway and lots of worried groups who have been fighting tooth and nail to make sure that nothing is done to downgrade the services that are already available at Bantry General Hospital. So we'll find out how that meeting with the HSE uh, uh, went. We're going to have somebody from Rent-A-Kill offering advice. There has been an increase nationwide of infestations and seemingly it's due to new regulations on the use of rat poison. We'll find out more about it. But if you have a question, if you've had uh, mice activity, rat 
be worse if it was rat wouldn't it? but anyway some people are terrified of mice uh, if you have a question for rent to kill get it in to, to the experts uh, we'll put the question on your behalf uh, this morning on the programme a campaign to stop the social and medical stigma surrounding obesity there's a worldwide campaign has been launched this week and we're also going to find out why the town of Formoy has decided to break off twinning with a Polish town and this is to do with LGBT issues we don't have anyone from Angarda Corner for this week's uh, Crime 5 but we do have Jane Pickett our resident vet joining us in the final hour of the programme answering all of your pet questions Eddie and Ma- Ma- Mallow on the coronavirus everyone coming in from Italy the minute they come in they should be put into isolation no matter if they have the coronavirus or not no one should be allowed from any of the affected areas and I know in the United Kingdom they've asked anybody travelling back from northern Italy or any of the countries where there has been clusters and outbreaks of the coronavirus people in the United Kingdom have been asked to self-isolate that's not the same in this country you're only, you're only asked to self-isolate if you come down with symptoms and you're only asked to contact your GP if you come down with uh, symptoms now whether that's going to change or not um, I don't know uh, Patricia authorities should be this is by WhatsApp authorities should be sharing as much data as possible informing the public regarding every new case with the coronavirus we all have the right to know the area the travel details including the flight the flight time the seat numbers and the movement of all of the cases by the informing the public it will ensure that contacts are not been missed and I know the defence of not giving out the you know they just say in the west in the east and the reason that they don't is they don't want to it's to protect the person that has the coronavirus is the defence that's been used as to not giving more public information even though I did see I think it was Simon Harris saying yesterday that the public health doctors they then have to try to contact as many people who they believe the person came in contact with and if they are having problems contacting people it's then and only then would they put out a public appeal and say that somebody on and they would give the flight number or the train or the bus number or what supermarket they were in or whatever it was but they'll only do that they try and contact everyone themselves and they're saying we've no way of knowing but they are saying that they're being successful in contacting everyone but the case from remember the first case the one in Northern Ireland where the woman came off the plane into Dublin airport then got a taxi and then got on a train wasn't it uh, to Belfast and people were very critical of why wasn't the flight announced why wasn't the train uh, announced and they said that they contacted everybody who was sitting near her and all of that but a number of our listeners are pointing out but when that lady got off you know when you get off a flight I mean certainly the first thing I would do was go into the bathroom to go to the loo and maybe freshen up you know she would have been in the toilet there always seems to be queues for the, for the ladies loo was she in a queue you know how close was she standing uh, to people was she coughing and sneezing when she was inside in the bathroom you know so I, I don't know I don't know how confident I am when they say yes we're absolutely sure that we've contacted uh, everybody 1850 uh, now don't forget Billy Joel we will be playing a Billy Joel track on the programme uh, today at some stage between now and one o'clock when you hear it you need to call you need to WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we will have a qualifier today on the programme who will win return could win return flights and uh, three nights accommodation in New York we could win VIP tickets to go see Billy Joel in the Big Apple Madison Square Garden on the 2nd of May so sometime between now and one keep listening out for Billy Joel and you could be heading to the Big Apple with amigoloans.ie on Cork's greatest hits 
That's C103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie On Tuesday evening, a meeting with groups representing Bantry General Hospital, elective representatives and management of the HSC was held to try to allay local fears about the possible downgrading of the hospital. One of those who attended was West Cork Doll Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan, uh, who joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Christopher. Morning, Patricia. Um, and, and you're very welcome. Oh, OK, firstly, who was there on behalf of the HSC? Uh, so, on behalf of the HSC, it was uh, Jerry O'Dwyer, uh, and he is the Chief Executive Officer of the South South West Hospital, or Hospital Group. Um, so, he would be the, the Chief Executive of about nine of the hospitals in um, Cork and Waterford in that general region. So, um, essentially, uh, the, the, ultimately, the uh, yeah, the, ultimately yeah. the man who makes the decisions. Exactly. Yeah. The, 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 the decision maker. Okay. And then there was who, and then who attended from Bantry Hospital so side? You had the three uh, Dáil deputies. You had uh, Councillor Holly Cairns, Councillor Michael Collins, uh, myself. You had two councillors, Councillor Declan Hurley, who would be um, chair of the Friends of Bantry Hospital. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Councillor Paul Hayes as well, Clinic Guilty based Councillor Paul Hayes. Um, and then you had representatives of uh, Together for uh, Bantry Hospital. Uh, and as well as that, just from a GP side, we had um, Dr. Paul O'Sullivan, who has been uh, incredible at any of the public meetings, any of the He's been great. Medical expertise. You know, we've we've to, had him on the programme. He's, he's been amazing. And uh, we had Vanessa O'Sullivan on the other day from the Save Bantry Hospital Group. She yeah. was very impressive as well. Was she at the meeting? She was, yeah. Yeah, so you, yeah. You, okay, so you, you'd, all, you'd all the sides um, represented. What sort of a commitment did you get from Jerry O'Dwyer? Okay, so I suppose it's important to kind of put it into perspective, if you don't mind, just very quickly, the, the, the brief history of, of what has brought us to this point. Um, just prior to the election, just prior to the calling of the election, um, the chief clinical officer of the HSC had a meeting with GPs and I think pointed out that there would be difficulties in retaining the 24-7 acute emergency access at Banshee General Hospital. Um, quite rightly, this caused a, a lot of fear um, and a great deal of concern among uh, people living in West Cork in the greater area and, of course, among elected representatives as well. This led to a situation where we had an incredibly well-attended meeting of over 600 people in, in Bantry Hospital, where you know uh, we heard incredible stories from members of the public, what Bantry Hospital meant to them. We heard um, stories from the GPs uh, and the health professionals, and also you had the elected rep- representatives there as well. Um, and I think what was very um, importantly that came out of that is that I think every single one of us gave a commitment that under no circumstances would the 24-7 acute emergency access be removed. Um, and what underpins, Patricia, and this is important to understand, and I know you already understand this because you've covered the topic um, uh, quite often on your show, what underpins the 24-7 acute emergency access at Ben Bantry General Hospital um, is the provision of an anaesthetist. So the anaesthetist has to be there 24-7 uh, cover, 24 hours a day, there has to be anaesthesiology cover. Without it, the 24-7 acute emergency access could not be provided. So that's the important thing to remember, I suppose, in terms of what we were seeking when we met Jerry O'Dwyer uh, on Tuesday night. And what did so, he say about a new anaesthetist? It's a tough one to say. Yeah, I, what did I, he I, say? <laughs> uh, so we, so look, I suppose we were very unified uh, in what we were looking for. We were looking for 24 or 7 
advertising process of recruiting an anaesthetist would begin uh, straight away. Now, in terms of his response, um, there were positives, uh, but there's also, I suppose, a bit of, uh, you, could, you could take some concern for what was being said as well. So let's focus on the positives first off. Um, he did say that there would be no problem uh, in beginning the process and advertising for the position of anaesthetist. So that was a bit of a boost to us. Um, he also said, and uh, look, the other thing to say here is that we have started a line of communication, mm. uh, and that's really important. In fairness, um, the election was less than four weeks ago. Um, myself and Deputy Cairns have only been elected a few weeks. Uh, uh, Deputy Collins um, obviously has another term done, but within that time frame, we were already sitting down around the table with the Chief Executive Officer of the South West Hospital Group. So that line of communication has been opened. But I suppose getting down to the detail, um, he did assure us that there would be no problem in advertising for the position of an anaesthetist. The only concern, I suppose, that we would have, um, there's a timeline here. There's a really uh, important timeline. You're talking a 12 to 18 month uh, period where the current anaesthetist um, will more than likely retire. So that provision, that backup anaesthetist has to be in position and in place before then. Will it be Uh, difficult to recruit an anaesthetist to work in a rural hospital? Well, I don't see why it should, Patricia. And I tell you what, because Banshee General Hospital, as you have heard uh, several testimonies, is an incredible, incredible hospital. The services that they provide there, between endoscopy services, acute medicine, cardiac services, there's the stroke unit, there's rehabilitation medicine. The provision that they have there, the hospital itself, the staff, the health professionals, are incredible. Uh, Bantry itself, as you well know, is a stunning, stunning area. Bantry Town is, is, is a beautiful town with so much going for it. So I don't understand this fear that we wouldn't be able to recruit an anaesthetist. Um, I suppose it may happen. It may happen that uh, the position is advertised, the recruitment process begins, and we don't have a lot of health professionals or, or uh, anaesthesiologists putting their hand up. But I suppose that that would be the appeal that I would have, and I'm sure that the campaign would join in this appeal is that, look, if there are any uh, anaesthetists listening to your show today that are interested in the position, uh, I'm sure that if we um, hold our line here, if the campaign holds our line, if we as elected representatives hold our line, we're all, what's incredible here is we're all very unified in it. There's no, um, uh, there's no division or disparity here at all. We're all looking for a backup anaesthetist to be recruited. So if we hold that line, in fairness, Jerry Dwyer did assure us and the Rochdus members that he would communicate with us every step of the way that any decision that would be made would have to be won by uh, the Rochdus members before the decision was made. Okay. So that's, re- that's but, but, but if if we want to maintain 24-7 acute emergency access, do you need to recruit more than one anaesthetist? That's a very good point, yeah. And, I mean, and, and that's why the process has to begin straight away so that we have at least one backup anaesthetist in place while the current anaesthetist uh, sees out the 12 to 18 months. And, and look, I'm conscious that, that anaesthetist is there in that position and I don't want to be um, almost, uh, I suppose, acting like we're trying to turf someone out of a position. We, we, we want, to, we want two to three anaesthetists in place so that backup can be provided. Now, in fairness, what Jerry Dwyer did say, that there was a couple of potential solutions that just would not fly with us or would not fly with the people of Bantry, this idea of seven um, advanced paramedics uh, stepping into that role, that will not happen. And I think if we stay unified on that, we have to resist any move towards that. Um, but what was interesting, and he, in fairness to uh, Jerry Dwyer, he did say they are looking at other solutions. But that, when you hear that 
Okay. You know, with the other anaesthetist, um, which would be placed more than likely in CUH. Could that could that work? It could. I mean, we would have to if if that was the option that they went on, we would have to guarantee that there was twenty four hour anaesthesiology cover uh, in Bantry, so that the twenty four seven acute emergency access could remain in place. Another potential solution that he talked about was the idea of having placement anaesthetist, so that look if there if it's if it's a challenging process to get a full time anaesthetist there for you know a five year contract or whatever it may be, that you could look at um, two to three. Uh, anaesthetists being there on placement basis for three or four months. Now, again, that would that could only work, and as a Rockus members and as a campaign, we could only um, approve of that if we were guaranteed the 24-hour-7 acute emergency access and the 24-hour-7 anaesthetist cover. So look, there's, there's, there's a bit of a road to go down yet. We didn't get, I suppose, the assurances that we were looking for. What we really wanted after leaving that meeting was that Jerry O'Dwyer would say to us, yes, you have your anaesthetist, there will be cover provided. It's not that simple. But if there's positives to be had out of this meeting, which I think there is, we've opened that line of communication. He will meet us again uh, within a four-week period. Uh, and if we insist, he will begin the process of recruiting and advertising for an, an anaesthetist. OK, so the, it, all, it all looks like it's a, it's, a ste- it's a step in the right direction. There was, there also, was there also mention of a new uh, endoscope and a stroke unit for the hospital? Yeah, so I mean... <laughs> Maybe he was trying to soften the blow as we came into the meeting because the first document that he did give us was confirmation of a 14.8 million investment in the rehab and stroke units, which is great. I mean, it's, it, it, it is adding to an already incredible service uh, down there in Bantry General Hospital. And as I said, again, listening to the testimonies of people. Particularly who have, people who've attended that stroke unit. That just seems to be out of this world. I mean, we have the most amazing stories about people who've been uh, through the doors of the stroke unit. Yeah, and, and we've all been touched personally in some way. Anyone in West Cork has been touched personally in some way. Um, I recently, uh, unfortunately, lost an uncle o- over Christmas. But the care that he got mm. uh, in the unit there in, in Bantry and Deer Park after was just phenomenal and the family cannot speak highly enough of it. So we must protect it. I think that's why we're unified in this. It's a priority for the people of West Cork. It's an absolute priority for me as I um, enter Doyle Aaron. It's an absolute priority. So we haven't given up yet. I would love to be able to come on and give 100% assurances that the 24-7 acute emergency access is safe. We have a bit of work to do. Um, But with the... uh, the campaign groups that are there in Bantry with the with the local reps that we have with the the Oireachtas members that we have, um, we really are a force to be reckoned. Uh, and lines of communication have opened. I've just seen a, a text in from uh, Declan Councillor Declan Hurley, who we mentioned, who's with the Friends of Bantry General Hospital, to say a very productive meeting was held with the HSC last Tuesday. Some positives were discussed, and follow up meetings are needed to progress options. The bottom line is, Model Two hospitals such as Bantry General Hospital can and should do more for local patients and go a long way in helping to reduce waiting times in the larger hospitals. However, the policy of certain services needing to be provided in centralised locations is a long-standing policy of successive governments based on clinical advice, leaving hospitals like Bantry not to be fully utilised. I believe the health system can only be improved if we make better use of the capacity within Model 2 hospitals, of which Bantry is the only one uh, remote rural example in the country. And that's from uh, Declan Hurley. OK, thanks for that, Declan. All right, uh, Christopher, so the next, you reckon, another meeting with Gerry O'Dwyer in a month or so? 
Yeah, he has agreed to meet us in four weeks, and he okay. might, that begs the question: Well, if 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 he did outline that a recruitment process or an advertising process might begin within six weeks, and he, that begs the question: What's the point in meeting us? To be honest, I think any chance and any opportunity that we have as Oireachtas members to meet Jerry O'Dwyer uh, is is good. And look, it's tough for him. There was nine of us. There was there was two of them. Um, we're going in all guns blazing. But I think look, and hats off to to Declan there and the friends from Manchester Hospital. We're trying to keep the message positive. We're trying to avoid any uh, panic reactions here. Yes, of course, there is concern. There has to be huge concern in terms of the 24-7 acute emergency access. But we're really, we're well, well aware of it as Rockets members. We're going to, we're not going to take our eye off the ball here. We're not going to drop the ball. Um, and we'll keep the message positive. And I think the important message to put out there uh, amongst the public and any listeners is Bantry is a wonderful place. West Cork is a wonderful place to come and work. Banshee General Hospital is a great team to be part of. So if there are anaesthetists out there that are looking for a bit of a change of pace, then come to Banshee. Come to beautiful West Cork. You, you won't yeah. regret it. Um, and just on a finally, Christopher, I heard a political commentator earlier reckoning that we won't see a government formation before the May bank holiday weekend. Do you think it'll well, go on that long? With the pace of discussions, I, I'm, you know, I'm disappointed with the pace of discussions, to be honest. I mean, people have put us in there to do a job. Uh, and to form a government, and to be there's a lot of policy exchanging. Yet, I would love at this point now they have to get down to proper program for government discussions, um, and, and that's happening too slowly. There's this country, unfortunately, uh, and again, I don't want to cause any panic out there, but we are avoiding a couple of crises coming down the line um, between uh, Brexit and more importantly, and more currently, uh, the, what's happening with the coronavirus. And we can't, as elected representatives, as, and as, as Charter Doyle, be here sitting on our hands. We are going, we're, we're, the Doyle is sitting today, it's sitting at two o'clock, we will be discussing the coronavirus. I'll certainly be making my um, uh, my opinion very clear in terms of planning has to be put in place to avoid spread, but also to protect uh, industry as well, uh, particularly in Cork South West. But it's, go, it's going too slow for my liking. I wish that uh, they would get down to discussions on a program for government instead of this policy exchange, you know. Okay, all right. We'll talk again, Christopher. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is uh, Cork Southwest uh, Dáil Deputy for Fianna Fáil, Christopher O'Sullivan. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Billy Joel is one of the world's most popular performers. Now, see him live in New York, VIP style with C103. You may be right. I may be crazy. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103. Then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. Save our number. 0862-103-103. Billy Joel in the Big Apple. With AmigoLoans.ie. Listen to win on Cork's greatest hits. C103.
And um, while we were talking about would it be difficult to find anaesthetists who'd like to come and work in Bantry General Hospital and then set themselves up in beautiful West Cork. Mary says, Patricia, my daughter and her family moved from living and working in Dublin, working actually in a laboratory in Dublin. They moved, got a job in Bantry Hospital in the laboratory there and they absolutely love it there. That's great to hear. Thank you for that, Mary, to 0862 103 103. Now, according to pest control companies, rodent activity and infestations have increased substantially in indoor settings, including food premises, since new regulations curtailed the use of rat poison. Rat uh, Richard Faulkner is a technical field consultant with Rentkill and Richard joins me. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning, uh, and, and you're welcome. Can you explain what changes were introduced with regard to the use of rat poison? So what's happened is that um, due to sort of European legislation and risk assessment, anticoagulant rodenticide has now been looked at and they're trying to reduce the use of it in the environment. Um, so because it, it builds up in the environment and it can cause secondary poisoning in um, birds of prey and other animals, wildlife that it shouldn't. So there's been restrictions on use. Um, we can still use it, but we just have to justify the use. As in, if you get an infestation, you can then use it? Yes. But not or, as a preventative? Um, you shouldn't really be using poison as a preventative anyway. Okay. It shouldn't just be put down because then it's exposing it to the environment. Um, and, and there's been a lot made about this and a lot of people are looking at it and saying, oh, we can, can't put down poison. Um, if you can justify it, if there's a risk to public health, if there's a risk of constant invasion, then yes, you can, but you should be looking at integrated pest management, um, looking at other things that you can do to deter pests and putting in place other solutions. So you, you're in fa- you sound, you're in favour of these regulations. It's a good move for the environment. Um, at the moment, the regulations, um, they only really um, were, were put in place in 2018 and they've really, really only taken effect properly since last year. So there are going to be operational issues with it because it's a changing culture. Um, From an environmental point of view, yeah, it's very good and there are solutions to it. Um, We've got a product called Autogate which allows poison to be in place but the only thing that can trigger it to open the gate to let um, anything have access to the poison is the target animal as a rat. So we can have poison down, which is protecting public health but it's not open to the environment unless there's the target animal there to trigger it. So we, we have solutions. There are solutions internally as well. We have, um, and we've had this for years, it's a product called Radar, which is a biocide. It uses carbon dioxide. So it's totally non-toxic. You don't get primary or secondary poison. And all these can be um, linked as well to digital systems, to Pest Connect, which will tell you when there's activity. So it's, it's using technology and it's using other methods um, to basically be more sustainable and reduce poison use. And are you seeing an increase in, in cause? What, what sort of increase in cause are you um, seeing to rent a kill? Well, well, that's the thing as well. When you look at trends and over the last four years, definitely, and probably going back now seven or eight years, we've got such more mild weather. Environmental factors have changed. It's getting warmer. And we've seen year on year that there's been an increase in rat, not only rat and mouse populations, but also in a lot of our insects too. Uh, Elaine, one of our listeners, says if you drop bird seeds in the back, in, the, in your back garden, can that draw rodents? Yeah, because <laughs> seeds, 
of a food source. So it, it, can, it can draw all sorts of pests. But yeah, it, it could draw rodents. And um, same as if your bins overflow or you've got pets or animals and you've got animal feed outside, um, then that, that can draw it in. Um, they, a pest wants exactly what we want. It wants food, shelter and warmth. So if we're providing food, it's an attraction into the area. The next place after your garden is then your home. So, yeah, we, we need to look at these sort of things as well. And then the weather, I assume, Richard, is the weather playing a role in infestations? Oh, oh, oh definitely. Environmental factors are definitely responsible for the increase in population size for a start. Um, and then when you look at it lately as well, we've had a lot of rain. Um, and generally... Our common rat, which is the main sort of pest species we're talking about, is found in drains and sewers. It's subterranean. So when water levels rise, it needs to move out of these areas. These areas are linked to our homes. So it's a natural sort of progression. It is definitely linked to sort of weather and environment as well. Can a rat come up a toilet? Somebody wants to know. (laughs) That's an an urban myth, is it? Um, We've had, had it as an urban myth, but yes, it can happen. Oh! But they can exploit... Sewer systems. When you look at sewer and drainage systems, we've got U-bends and S-bends. And the whole point of those are to stop smells coming back up, fill with water so it gives the illusion that the rat couldn't swim that. But if water levels drop and they can see light, then they can travel up. So it is possible. It's very, very rare that it happens, but it can happen, yes. And if you detect, no, whatever about a, uh, if, if it's a rat, call in the experts. But if you detect a mouse, a mouse activity in your house, can you sort it out yourself or, or, or what stage do you need to call the experts in? See, again with this, people have this thing that rats are worse than mice. Um, mice carry lots of diseases as well. Um, and they're smaller. And the fact that they're smaller, they need less to survive. Like a, a rat needs to eat 30 grams of food a day. A mouse only needs three grams. A rat has an Achilles heel, but it needs to drink on average. We say on average rats 300 mil- 300 grams in weight, it needs to drink 60 mils a day. A mouse, as long as it's getting sort of 16 to 20% moisture in its food, doesn't actually need to drink water. And if it does, it only needs three mils. So you're so, saying mice are bigger problems than rats? Mice and rats, uh, they, they pose very similar pest risks. They both commensal rodents. Um, they both um, carry pathogens. They both spread bacteria. And they both also have parasites. So it's just one one gets worse pressed than the other. And when you look at the animals and their habits, a rat is probably the cleaner animal. They both spend a lot of time grooming, but a rat has proper toilet areas. It has latrines. It doesn't go to the toilet where it sleeps. It generally doesn't go to the toilet directly where it eats. Uh, Whereas uh, a, mou- a mouse will. You'll see mouse droppings all over the place when you've got a mouse infestation. Absolutely. We're battling one at the moment here in our office. Yeah. But we're, we're winning the battle. We're winning the battle. That's okay, it, yeah. and I'm, I'm out on time, unfortunately. I'm going to have to leave it there. Listen, thank you for that, Richard. No and thank uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Richard Faulkner, who is a technical field consultant uh, with Rent to Kill. I feel I'm all itching. I need to go and have a shower. Let's take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Texter this morning, uh, just before we came on air, says just texting in regarding no water in Kiss Game. As a parent, I've had to take the day off work due to no water in the school, so the school has closed, apparently. There was no machine available 
to fix the leak yesterday. Hence the reason that the school has to close today. I find this very hard to believe, as I've been told, says this texter, that there are at least 10 machines within a three mile radius available that could have fixed the leak. Could you ask the council why? This puts it in big capital letters. Why could they not have used one of these machines to fix this leak and fix it yesterday so that the school wouldn't have to close today? Now, we did get a statement from the council and I'm assuming and Irish Water to say a burst water main is causing supply problems in the Kiskame areas. Kiskame Village, Moylan Park, surrounding areas are all affected and they tell us in their statement that disruption is expected to continue until around four o'clock this afternoon and as always, Cork County Council and Irish Water regret any inconvenience caused. So we've got one listener who's very annoyed about the inconvenience that's been caused. has been forced to take a day off and I'm sure not the only parent if the school is set to close and when the school closes at shut, such short notice it sometimes can be really hard to get child care cover in place. Now we have contacted the council about that text from that listener in Kiss Game just to see is it true if the leak was yesterday why wasn't there a machine uh, available and could they not have done everything in their power to fix it particularly when, when it's a school is going to have to close as a result. I'm assuming businesses in the Kiss Game area must be affected as well. Anyway we've contacted the council and we are awaiting a reply from them so bear with us on that please. We were talking about rats and mice in the... Why do we all... I'm, I'm itching. Why do we all start scratching when you hear about something like rodent activity? It's like, you know, when anyone talks about nits, and I don't know if children still get nits in school anymore, do they? But the minute you start to talk about nits, your head gets I'm, I'm, I can already feel my head is, is getting itchy I, I mean I know it's all, it's all psychological but it's just it's the weirdest thing and rats and mice do I get itchy all over when I think about rats and mice anyway Elaine in Mallow who was on to us and I did put Elaine's question to Richard our expert about bird seeds dropping in the back garden and can that attract rodent activity rats and mice and Richard said absolutely it can and that you just need, need to try and keep your garden as clean as possible with no food at all and I've noticed when you if, you if you do feed the birds and have little bird feeders hanging in the garden they fall out of the bird feeders and they land on the ground and of course if you don't keep that area clean that's where you could end up having a problem of that type of food attracting mice and uh, rats. But Elaine was back on to say that people really need to be need to be educated about throwing food out to feed the birds because she said that she found a, tom- a full tomato in her back garden that somebody obviously had thrown out and then a bird picked it up, was flying with it, lost control and the tomato dropped in her garden and she feels that that's going to lead and cause rodent activity in not just your own garden, but in other people's gardens as well. And actually, I remember one day last year being out in the garden and a bird, I think it was a crow, flew overhead with a full slice of bread. It was what I would call the crust, but what some people call the heel of the bread, you know, the very end, that end thick slice, which is gorgeous toasted with them, butter on it. It nearly landed on my head, got the fright of my life and it was a bird dropped it, but it was an actual full Slice, you know, whoever threw out the bread it wasn't even breaking it up to give little pieces because if it had been broken up into little pieces, I don't think the 
crow would have dropped it but it was just it was a heavy piece because it was the crust of the bread so Elaine reckons people need to just educate themselves and stop throwing food out to the birds and wasn't there a woman I'm sure John Paul dealt with it while I was off with the flu a few weeks ago it was a woman up in Limerick wasn't it that the council fined she was out feeding I think it was seagulls she was feeding. She was a big lover of birds and they find her and they said it was it was littering and that she weren't allowed to do it. I think she was out in a green area throwing food out so people need to stop and think. I mean, I don't know how many people do that, actually throw food out to the uh, birds. Once upon a time I did, but now I have one of those compost bins so all the waste food goes there. But if I was throwing food out, it would only have been bread and I would always have broken it up. But, you know, Elaine is saying it can attract it can attract rats and mice into the garden so you do need to be careful about it please. Jerry has been on to us saying has anybody else noticed the white lines on the road in Mallowtown and the surrounding area he feels they're non-existent they haven't been redone in years and now people don't know where to stop because you need the white line to tell you at a junction where you need to stop he says if you travel to other smaller towns in the area like Canturk and Newmarket he said the white lines are perfect but whatever it is about Mallowtown Anybody else notice that? I'll have to look out. You know when someone draws attention to it and suddenly you're driving around going, God, Cherry on the radio was right. There's no white lines. Anybody else notice a lack of clearly, clearly signed and painted white lines? Cherry reckons have, they haven't been done in years. 1850 We were talking about... Bantry Hospital in the last hour. Actually, I had another commentary in on this about that meeting that took place last Tuesday, this time from Councillor Paul Hayes. He says, Patricia, I was very happy to be part of that delegation to meet with the HSE during the week. As uh, Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan said on your programme, each of us present spoke in unison in support of the fantastic facility that is Bantry General Hospital. We relayed the information we picked up at the various public meetings and left the HSE officials in no doubt as to the depth of feeling we as public representatives and members of the public in general have for Bantry Hospital. It was very positive to hear from the HSE of potential investment being announced shortly for Bantry but I believe we injected some urgency into the recruitment process of an anaesthetist and other staff members so I look forward to further engagement with the HSE within this regard. All the best. Thank you for that. That's uh, from Councillor Paul, Paul Hayes. I think that's it. I think the it's a battle, it's it's a fight, it's a campaign and it has to continue and the pressure has to keep on and those petitions that have been signed online and I know there's hard copies of the petition in various shops and businesses all over West Cork. We just need to keep the pressure on and make sure that the HSC know that this is a facility that everybody dearly loves, everybody dearly wants and nobody wants to see it in any way uh, downgraded. And actually Billy was on to us to say the when we were talking about hospitals, he's got an example of his son having to attend Cork University Hospital yesterday. Because when we talk about any sort of downgrading at Bantry Hospital or any sort of downgrading at Mallow Hospital, the we often mention that these are not just hospitals that affect people in the locality while they're there for the local people but there's also a knock-on effect for people in other areas and particularly people and patients at places like Cork University Hospital the Mercy Hospital because if you get rid of all the services in the two county hospitals, what happens? People still get sick, people still need treatment they all end up getting funnelled into CUH or into the Mercy 
and we know that they are already under pressure. And Billy says, here's an example of what it's like to attend Cork University Hospital. He was up there yesterday as his son ended up having an injury and it needed and ended up having to go to CUH now whatever the injury was but he said we knew we knew immediately that he needed an x-ray uh, we got in there at 8.30 yesterday morning bloods were taken at 12.30 uh, and then we got an x-ray but then we had to wait until evening time before a, a doctor looked at the x-ray and came to see Billy and his son so we went in at 8.30 yesterday morning and we came out at a quarter to seven last night so nearly 12 hours at Cork University Hospital for an x-ray and some blood tests and obviously the fact that they were discharged everything was okay and you know whatever treatment has been put in place has been put in place and doesn't that run complete opposite to a story we had the other day when I mentioned Bantry General Hospital and somebody contacted us to say that they had to get an x-ray at Bantry Hospital and I think it was 16 minutes (laughs) they parked up went into the hospital and they timed it and they were in and out I think in 16 minutes and there's poor Billy and his son and I don't know where they travelled from and because if they came from the county they would have had to have had you know the additional travel time onto it but almost 12 hours sitting inside in the A&E for a blood test and an x-ray and then finally a doctor reviews everything and away they go home shocking uh, Billy said there were, there were people everywhere he said if Bantry Hospital closes what extra demands will be put on a place like uh, CUH yeah on unreal 1850 Um James in Cloyne says tell Patricia this was a call into John Paul tell Patricia I'm eating a pot noodle at the moment and I'm listening to her talking about mice and rats I'm looking at a rabbit in the garden but now I think with all the talk of mice <laughs> that there's a mouse in my pot noodle I'm sure there's not a mouse in your pot noodle Margaret in Crookstown says if a rat ran across the road while I was driving I have to compose myself as I'm so scared of them so I sympathise with you regarding mice and rats it's just that it gets me itchy I'm just scratching the minute I start to talk about it even when I knew we were going to be talking about it yesterday bearing in mind that we have a mouse in our office that can I say has been caught because this little machine was put in this little mouse trap something I think what Richard from Richard Faulkner was talking about it's a it's a special little box and the mouse goes into it and and according to John Paul it got gassed when it went when it went into it now this this box was put in place yesterday and the expert said that a little light will flash when the mouse is dead when the mouse goes in and so when we were there we were all looking we were in this morning no the light wasn't on so we were saying no the mouse still hadn't, hadn't been caught and I think there was droppings again on John Paul's desk and then we were there this morning prepping for the show I came in, in here to the studio at 10 John Paul ran out to fill up his water bottle and when he came back in once we left I suppose the silence of the room the mouse went into the box and his uh, demise was imminent and uh, so yeah so whether we've only got the one or not I don't know but that that one is uh, certainly gone 1850 looking for your thoughts on this please and I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, name the school except to say it's a West Cork school uh, because um, I don't know we'll try and get on to the school and see if they, they want to comment on it but um, 
a WhatsApp that starts with Patricia, Patricia, Patricia. You know, it's a kind of a worry. Coronavirus. My daughter came home from a West Cork school yesterday. She said the fourth year students, so they'd be the transition year students, are going to Rome in two weeks time on a school trip and the school is not cancelling the trip. Can you look into this, please? I think this is absolutely outrageous. And I suppose bearing in mind that Italy is the country now that has the Europe's worst outbreak of coronavirus. More than 3,000 people have been affected and the death toll stands at 107. But from what I can gather, it is in northern Italy is where, and that's not to say that there is no further up around the country, but it is in northern Italy where Rome isn't. But I suppose you'd have to bear in mind that Italy are so worried about the way the coronavirus is spreading in their country that they have taken what is an unprecedented decision to close all schools and universities and they're doing that for the next two weeks all the schools and universities are uh, closed there isn't a travel ban to Rome there is a travel ban to northern Italy but as of yet there isn't a travel ban so I'm assuming the school will say because there isn't a travel ban if we cancel the trip then all of the students and the families will lose their money uh, because you can only claim a refund and get money back if the government advise against travelling and the government haven't, from what I can gather so far, unless that changes, they haven't advised against travelling to Rome. I know there was a school in Bishopstown, wasn't it, on, on Saturday? They were due to go skiing, but that was to northern Italy. That was two areas affected by the coronavirus. They took the decision on Saturday to cancel that school trip. Now, I don't know, and maybe if somebody's listening who's got a son or daughter going to that school that cancelled that trip, did they get their money back? I would have assumed they did because to me it was one of the areas that was, there was a, I don't know if the travel ban that was in place, maybe it wasn't in place, the government advice wasn't in place when they, when they, decided to cancel the trip because when we got advice on travel insurance that's what we were told that if they, if there's a government advisory and that government advisory is covered in your travel insurance that's where you need to read all the small print then you'll be okay but if you decide yourself I'm not happy about going there I'm going to cancel it then you don't get your money back I was speaking with somebody only last weekend who had a family trip to Paris to Euro Disney booked with flights, accommodation, all in. They've decided they were just simply too nervous. One of their children suffers with asthma and they just said they couldn't take the risk of going to Paris and going to Euro Disney. You know, there were a lot of, lots of people around as well. So they cancelled, but they lost all their money. They didn't get any of it back. But anyway, how do, how do people feel about some... Because we're hearing a lot of schools are cancelling trips. But now whether this school is just... They're biding their time, they're going to wait. Because two weeks in a situation like this is a long time. Anything can happen in that two weeks where there could be a lot more cases in Rome and who knows, maybe Rome will go on the list of, by the Irish government, the list of country, the list of areas where you advise not to travel to. But certainly at the moment, that's not the case. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed on that. Would you be with this parent who thinks it's outrageous and will then, I, I, I take it, be very nervous about sending her daughter back into school. When those transition year students come back from their school trip, they're back into class. I'm, I'm assuming some people might be a bit nervous about sending their children into school. And thank you, Michael, who sent on the the name of the school in 
County Clare, isn't it, where the two schools have closed. That's because of the cluster case. It was parents and a son and a daughter. One is in secondary school, one is in primary school. So, of course, it's all over. It's all over Twitter and various social media sites, the schools. Everybody knows the schools that, that have closed in that area. So they know that it's a boy and a girl from that particular school. Uh, who have come down with the uh, corona uh, virus. Uh, K- Jay says, Patricia, what a load of Coswallop to say that you're protecting the person or that the powers that be are protecting the person that has the coronavirus and that's why they won't give out the information as to exactly where the cases are. If the rest of us knew exactly where, it's, say for example, this cluster case with the four in the one family, we wouldn't be caught anywhere near there, says um, uh, Jay. And John, sa- John says, hi Patricia, he's not that confident that the powers that be what the powers that be are doing. John says, I feel they're doing nothing here to prevent the virus. It'll be everywhere uh, shortly. And again, I direct people to the hse.ie and they have a special link for the coronavirus and they put in lots and lots of information and I suppose they say that they are doing the best that they can and trying to keep people updated with as much information as they can except they are not going to point the finger at exactly where a particular case of coronavirus when somebody gets diagnosed with it. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Bar person is wanted from Mallow Golf Club. It's to work 20 hours per week. Accommodation assistance are required. That's for the Clonakilty Park Hotel. While an apprentice electrician is wanted, it's for immediate start in West uh, Cork. And an office administrator wanted for Boerbui. You need to have good computer skills. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now we've got getting a number of uh, texts and calls in this morning from a news item that's also making the front page of the Echo today to say that Ampost is considering closing its north side and south side delivery offices in Churchfield and in Toker and redeploying staff to the soon to be vacant Cork Mail Centre in Little Island. We remember that it was last June uh, the phased closure of the Cork Mail Centre in Little Island was announced and at that stage uh, we were told the decision was going to affect 240 people. Cork North Central TD Mick Barry says the news comes in stark contrast to what on post originally said was going to happen and uh, Deputy Mick Barry joins me. Good morning to you Mick. Good morning to you. Do, this all seems very confusing. What is going on here? Well, what seems to be going on is very different from what we were told was going to be going on last summer when they were announcing the closure of the mail centre, isn't it? Because what we were told then was the mail centre is going to close, uh, 240 jobs will be on the line, uh, and then uh, on post plan to sell off or rent out the offices down in Little Island. Uh, it was an important part of the proposal, we were told then. Uh, and now we're told, no, that's not going to happen. And instead, we're going to shut two other offices. The delivery office uh, on the north side of the city in Churchfield and the delivery office on the south side of the city in Toker. And we're going to move all the staff uh, down there. And presumably the customers, when they collect their packages or letters, 
uh, we'll have to uh, take a trip as, uh, to Little Island as well. That's going to have a huge inconvenience for a lot of people. Yeah, I think it is. Um, and uh, I think there will be um, opposition to this, um, uh, certainly within the community. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, within the workforce as well. So do do we take it now that the 240 jobs that were to be affected by the closure of Little Island, that that, that now will not go ahead, that they will remain in place? No, uh, on post are driving forward with the plan to uh, close the mail centre in Little Island by the 31st of March. Uh, the arrangement they put in place in terms of job losses was they said, if you want to take redundancy, take redundancy. Uh, and if you want to be transferred within the OnPost system, you can be transferred within the OnPost system with seniority. Um, so uh, there have been a steady trickle of people uh, leaving the job uh, in the mail centre uh, over the, the, the last few months. But my understanding, at least up until maybe a week ago when I last had a conversation with a mail centre worker, was that uh, a majority and quite a big majority of the workers still remain down there. And it's still my position that mail centre should stay open and those jobs should be maintained there. And the Toker and Churchfield delivery offices should stay where they are. But that's not what I'm post are planning. Uh, and we'll have to see how this plays out over the next few weeks. Do you believe now that the possible closure of Churchfield and Toker was always on the cards from on post, but they just didn't want to drop the bombshell of all of the announcements together? Uh, I believe that's a strong possibility, yes. Uh, what we were told last uh, June, July, was that the uh, premises in Little Island will be either sold or rented. There was no mention whatsoever of this. Apparently, when the Echo made inquiries of on post, on post sent them a statement, and the statement said uh, that this is a possibility, but no decision has been made. But the information that I would have from uh, on-post workers, including workers in the mail centre, is that this is a done deal and they are going to do it. Or try to, at least. On-post have stated that no decision will be taken without the involvement and cooperation of our trade unions. And this is the part that I love. In the best interest of customers and staff. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, the union that the workers belong to, which is the Communication Workers Union, the CWU, uh, didn't oppose the closure of the mail centre, uh, didn't resist the closure of the mail centre. You'll remember that there was a demonstration of more than a thousand um, mail centre workers, on-post workers and their families and supporters through the city last July yeah. with a loud and colourful protest. Yeah. Clearly the potential was there if the union had been prepared to harness the moods that was present to uh, resist the closure, to try and save the jobs. And that campaign would have had a real chance. But unfortunately, the uh, union uh, didn't take that option and actually um, took the position that the mail centre is going to close. There's nothing we can do about it. And our job is to get the best possible deal for the staff who are leaving and transferring. Um, so uh, I think on post um, um, leaned on the union uh, and the union played a role. The union leadership played a role. Uh, I'm not talking about the rank and file activists in, in Little Island. I'm talking about the top union leadership nationally played a role in the closure. 
uh, of uh, the mail centre and, um, um, you know, maybe the, the company are, are hoping that the union will, will uh, at national level, will cooperate with them again uh, this time. But this is a, a chance for the union to redeem itself on a national basis and say, no, we're, we're not going to uh, keep going down this road and we're going to oppose uh, the closure in Churchfield and the closure in uh, Toker. And it's not too late to oppose the closure or closure in Little Island either, but I don't think people will be holding their breath on that one. Yeah, and you know, it is Little Island would be quite a journey for people from Churchfield and Toker to go and, and pick up a package, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, of course, it wouldn't be a huge journey for, for people in Little Island or surrounding areas, but certainly for, um, you know, people living on the north side yeah. of the city, uh, it would be a real inconvenience. I mean, what are you looking at if you've got a car 20 minutes down, 20 minutes back, as opposed to five minutes up the road and five minutes back? That's happening already. That's, and day. that's, uh, and that's, that's, someone, who has a, that's someone who has a car. Yeah, what someone who has a car. And also, depending on the time of day you decide to travel, we know traffic can be absolute bedlam at times. Yeah, um, that's a, a really important uh, point here. Uh, and I think just to follow on from the previous point is um, a, a lot of people who, um, you know, would be older or a lot of people who would be poorer uh, and who wouldn't have a car or access to a car uh, are going to be inconvenienced in a really significant way here. Of course, back in the day, it used to be the odd letter that would come to your house and that, you know, it was too bulky to, to be put in the box or whatever and a little note would go in saying call up to Churchfield and collect your letter. But with the rise and rise and rise of parcel post, if you're not in when the parcel is delivered, um, that, that's just, it's just a more common thing now that people have to call up to the delivery office. And if they're moved to Little Island uh, for a, a lot of people, it's going to be a real inconvenience. And as I say, I think there'll be opposition in the community and uh, there may be opposition uh, among the workforce. I would say, watch this space. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, we'll we'll talk again, no doubt about it, uh, Mick. But in the meantime, thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us sure. on the program. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, is Cork North Central at TD Mick Barry eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Lines are open. Cork today on C one zero three with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go, Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103 For Moy's twinning committee intends to break off all communication with the Polish town of Noah Debra. That's according to a front page story in the Avenue newspaper today. The move, it seems, comes following the discovery that the Fomoy's Polish counterpart has backed a, confid- a controversial resolution declaring the town to be free from LGBT ideology. Uh, joining me, Fomoy based councillor Noel McCarthy. Good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. Um, and, and you're welcome. What does this status, free from LGBT ideology, what does it actually mean? It's the um, it's the lesbian, gay, um, bisexual, transsexual rights. So what what? There's 13 districts in Poland where they have restricted the rights or won't recognise the the rights of the LGBT. So what? What they're saying is they're what they're discriminating against the, the LGBT community. So what we're seeing in Formoy, and I want to compliment the twinning committee, which I'm a member of, through the, as a representative of the council in Formoy, 
uh, municipal district. And I want to compliment him for taking this stance because, as you know, here in Ireland, we recognise gay marriage and we don't discriminate against any LGBT community or any other communities for that matter. But we're taking a stance like, like our counterpart in a, a town in France have done the same, who are twinned with Nova Deva and have also suspended ties with them. So what I'm doing at the next council meeting, Patricia, is that we need to do the same. I feel, this is my personal opinion, that we as a council need to take the next step, like the twinning committee have done. Have done. They're only an agent of the council, so we must officially um, write to Nova Deva and tell them that we are either suspending or terminating our twinning arrangement with them. I, I really was shocked when I saw this story this morning, Noel. You know, I was thinking, this is 2020, it's not 1820. It just seems shocking that any country could decide to pass resolutions deciding we're going to have areas of the country. They're almost saying we're going to have the areas of the country which are going to be LGBT free. If you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, they're basically saying you're not welcome in our area. And that's exactly what they're doing. Shocking. Shocking. It's a a real backward step, I feel, and I think it must be addressed. As I said, I think the European Parliament are are trying to uh, have wrote to them and asked them to change their views on it. And I think people like, we must stand up to people like this, that you cannot do this in in the 2020 and and be seen to be able to get away with it. And I feel strongly in Fomoy, and again, I want to, as I say, compliment the Twinning Committee for taking this stance and asking us... uh, as councillors with my colleagues, that we will do the next step in terminating or suspending our links with the Nova Deba Twinning Committee. How now, long? How long is Fomoy twinned with Nova Deba? I know when I was mayor. I think there's, I, I'm not sure the exact date, Patricia. But I know when I was mayor in 2009, they came to visit for my. And okay. I'm in no way condemning the people that came. The, the part of the twinning committee, as you know, twinning associations are great for tourism, for education, for culture, and it helps both our towns. And the people that came on that visit were the, the nicest people you could meet. So I'm not condemning. This is, must be a, a, from their their authorities doing this, and I wouldn't want to, them to be associated with maybe with this move because they came and they visited and I know members I wasn't there when their people visited Nova Deva but any time they went there they always spoke highly of their of the the their, their, um, the way they were treated and how they got on and, and how they, the, the links they formed with them so there are no way it could be held responsible members of that maybe twinning committee but it's obviously a municipal district decision and we must find out the whole details of it but I feel we must be strong and share our views, like the twinning committee and my have, and cut links and suspend or, termin- or terminate our uh, twinning arrangement at the moment. Till they're changed their views on it, Patricia. How did you find out? How did you find out, by the way? Only, I'll tell you, about 10 days ago, someone brought to my attention. Someone read an article on one Polish paper and brought to my attention. And since then, the twinning committee have been contacted. And I've got a lot of individuals sending me emails on it, concerns like we all are today about this move and I feel that we need to do something on it. And I will be bringing it our next meeting of the, to officially do it will be on the 18th of March where we have our next municipal district meeting so I'll be asking myself and my colleagues that we do the, take the next step on it. Okay, and, and actually I've just, I've just done a quick Google search on well, Wikipedia at, um, and Noah, Deba just to see, they're actually t- from always uh, twinning is there, uh, they're, they're twinned with the town in France and they're also twinned with the town uh, in the Ukraine uh, as well. And you so, but you haven't decided whether you want to completely terminate the twinning Noel or just suspend it Well, what I'd be doing, I'd be putting a motion down for the meeting that we suspend uh, with 
uh, and we write to Novadeva to, 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 to view our concerns, and if they don't change their, their views on it, that we terminate our um, twinning arrangement with them. But obviously I'd have to, have to speak to my colleagues on that, where we have a full meeting to, to decide that. That's yeah, because I, I, I wonder, how do you untwin? Is there is there a procedure in place for that? I don't. That's a good question, Patricia, because we never came across this before. As you, yeah. as you know, we're, we're tuned with Plumeur in, in France, where we have a great relationship with them. So this is a, a, a new move for us, and a, a, a new problem that has arose. So obviously we'd have to write to, to express our concerns. But I know reading on the emails I got from people about this, our counterpart in France, the town of France that you spoke about, have, uh, have suspended and terminated, I think, since they have found out this. And, th- and actually, yeah. Plumeur in France that you just speak of, they're also yeah. twinned with them. Yes, that's, that's the one. So do we, yeah, you're we're both, yeah, you're both, you're yeah. both, you both happen to be twinned, which exactly. is a ni- which is a nice thing to have that there would be a nice connection between the three towns that everybody's is is twinned uh, together. Okay, um, keep us updated. I'd be really interested to Are see we? how you go about doing the untwinning uh, part uh, of it um, for sure. Um, and the, the, none of them were coming for St Patrick's Day or anything like that. No, no there was no, nothing like that. No, no. But, but I will inform you again after a meeting on the 18th when I, when, when my colleagues. So we'll be raising the matter at our meeting and I'm sure we'll do the right thing. Okay, I'm sorry, no I'm sorry for this, but I know every time you join us on, on the programme we get calls in about it. Could you ask Noel, while you have him on the line, any update on Kilcrumper Cemetery about the rubbish in the mobile home? Uh, when is it going to be moved away? Yeah, we... I did, and since I was last in the programme, I, ro- I raised the matter again with Head of Housing in County Hall, and I said to him how concerned people are. He said there is moves to, to be, for the caravan to be moved, and it will happen very soon. That's the only information I got, and that was o- just over a week ago. I got that information. Okay. So I'm very hopeful that they'll be gone very soon, because as I say all the time, this is totally unfair to the people that live in the area and the people visiting Kilcrumper Graveyard. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it just has caused so much yeah. upset to so many people. And listen, you've been great and you're, and you're always great to answer the questions and any time we brought we ring you about it you're, you're always great and, and we um, we really appreciate it listen Noel keep us updated on the twinning and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning thank you Patricia thank good you morning to you bye 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 that is Moy based councillor uh, Noel McCarthy and just while I speak of the council remember earlier I was talking about a water outage in Kiskame and we got on to the council to ask them what was happening with the water outage that they'd been on to us earlier to say that there was a water outage they were working on it and that they were apologising for any inconvenience caused and they expected to have water back by about four o'clock today. But the reason that we uh, had contacted them again following that was that we got a text in from a listener who claimed that there was no water in Kiskame. So we said, OK, right, the Irish Water are telling us that. And that as a parent, he or she had to take a day off work because there was no water in the... Uh, take a day off work due to no water in the school. So I was assuming that the school was closed. And then we got a, a lot of people saying the school isn't closed. So do I take it that this listener, because there's no water in the school, this listener decided to not put her children into school. We've been trying to ring the person and they're not answering us. So I would be... So my apologies if I confused people because I assumed from the text that the school was closed. But I but I now realise, obviously, the parent decided because there was no water in the school, the parent decided not to send the child to school. Is that it? Well, if that's the case, you can't be moaning and groaning because it was your decision not to send your child in because the school is open. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I take it that you could bring 
bottled water in and, and, and whatever and survive. Anyway, uh, we're still trying to get to the bottom of that particular story but just in case people thought they sent the children off to school in Kiss Game and it was closed, it's not. The school is open today and it is working as norm, normal, I'm told. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. VIP style. With AmigoLoans.ie. On C103. Did you hear me play Piano Man from Billy Joel? If you did, did you get texting? Because Gemma O'Connell in Bally Desmond got texting. Uh, good afternoon to you, Gemma. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm not too bad. How is everybody in Bally Desmond? Everyone is great, thanks. Are you at work today at home or what are you up I to? I am indeed. I am indeed. I'm at work this right. morning okay. today. Do you want to say where are you working or... I'm working in Boerbui. Oh, I'm working in Boerbui. Hi to everybody in Boerbui. Okay, now we have a question for you. It's an A B answer, and if you get it correct, you will be our qualifier today. Okay, question for Gemma, please. What Art Deco style skyscraper was the world's tallest building for eleven months before it was surpassed by the Empire State Building back in 1931? Was it A? The Chrysler Building or B, the Rockefeller Building? Um, A or B? Was it A, the Chrysler Building or B, the Rockefeller Building? I go with A. A, the Chrysler Building. Well done. Well done. Congratulations uh, to you. Okay, have you been to New York before? No, I've never been to America before, so fingers crossed. So it'd be a lovely trip. Who would you bring with you, Gemma? I'd bring my partner, Jean, Jean, okay. Yeah. Oh, and are you both Billy Joel fans? Or? Oh, big fans, yeah, I love the music. Good, good. Okay, well, it's, it's, it'll be wonderful. Great to go to a concert. Madison Square Garden seems to be a fantastic place for a concert. But this is a lovely three-night trip as well, so it's... Uh, Fingers so, crossed now. Yeah, get the bags packed. Okay, yeah. listen, make sure you're available half nine on Monday morning. We could be calling you back. That's great. Thank you. All right. Congratulations to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Gemma O'Connell in Bowerboy, which is from Bally Desmond, our qualifier for today. Now, that means I've got one more qualifier, which we will do tomorrow. But more chances for you to qualify this afternoon. Nick will take qualifiers. Martina takes qualifiers. Eric takes qualifiers. And of course, Simon will do his last round tomorrow morning. You're listening out throughout the day for a Billy Joel track. Soon as you hear it, text him WhatsApps, please. I was actually surprised that when I played Piano Man, we started getting calls in. We're not taking calls. It's by text and WhatsApp. And then we put everybody's name into a hat. We feel it's the easiest and the fairest way. So you must text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Return flights, three nights accommodation, the VIP tickets to see Billy Joel skip the line admission to the Empire State Building plus a three course dinner and drinks at a New York restaurant it's a wonderful package Billy Joel in the Big Apple with AmigoLoans.ie on Cork's greatest hits C103 1850-333-103 lines are clear now if you have a pet question please because Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us after half past twelve today so if there's anything wrong with any of the animals in your household can you get on to us uh, please and uh, you can text or WhatsApp them as well to 0862 103 103 let me take a look at some of your commentary coming into the programme now uh, a couple of people are picking up on the, the chat I had with Councillor Noel McCarthy from Formoy and this is the news that's breaking that Formoy Town who were twinned with a town in Poland called Nua Deba um, and Nua Deba is one of 
did Noel say, 11 areas in Poland that have decided to declare itself free from LGBT ideology. It's just shocking to the core that in 2020 in a modern country like Poland that they could even consider doing something like this. And the twinning committee in Formoy fair dues to them. They've said that uh, the Formoy would deplore anything that's associated with homophobia and that's exactly what this will do. Saying that this is an area, this is a town, this is a region free from LGBT ideology basically is telling lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual people that you are not welcome. That is just shameful. Um, Michael says this may shed more light on the LGBTQ Polish situation says uh, Michael. Um, yeah, I need to. I, I had heard about it. Um, I'd heard somebody mention it. I can't remember where I was listening to. Somebody mentioned something. I didn't realise that it was Poland or that it was as widespread that there that these are 11 areas. Because obviously what will happen is if they deem this to be a success, this declaration of this free from LGBT ideology, you can see almost what's coming next. The whole country. Suddenly Poland will be just, will say no to anyone that's lesbian, gay, bisexual or transsexual. You know, if it works in some areas, are they go- then is that going to be the next stage? Somebody um, says by text... Um, did I see a text in on this? Sorry, I've just got so many different texts coming in in the middle of it. Michael, thank you, Michael. Patricia, how are you? I think this Polish LGBT situation is from the very top down. I heard a radio interview on another station about the idea being promoted by either the Prime Minister or the President of Poland. It's a scandalous situation. It's like ethnic cleansing in a different way. It's shameful, says Michael. It is. And we need to call it out as being shameful. That's why I have to say I am extremely proud of the committee in Formoy for standing up and taking a stance and saying, you know, not in our name, we're not going to be in any way associated with anything that is associated with homophobia. And that's exactly what this is. That statement and that ideology is homophobic and it needs to be called out. And, you know, well done to Formoy for standing up and telling these the good people of Nova, Noah Doba and Noah Diba and I'm sure there's wonderful people there I'm sure there are a lot of people there that d- don't agree with it and maybe if more people stand up and say no this is wrong maybe they will change their minds the powers that be will decide to change their minds I mean Poland is traditionally a Catholic country I wonder is I, I'm I'll have to look into it. Are the Catholic Church involved in this or is it literally coming from the government down or the president down? Could you imagine our president getting involved in anything like that? The wonderful Michael D. Higgins, he would be absolutely shamed. Um, William Infomoy says, Patricia, I'm aware of the situation in Poland and I can understand why the twinning committee in Fomoy wants to untwin from this town. However, I do feel Fomoy should try and do something small to reach out to the LGBT community in the area to show them that they're not alone. Yeah, yeah, maybe they will. Maybe they will, William. But I think the very fact that they're taking this stance and that they're going public on this stance and sort of saying, not in our name, we want nothing to do with you as long as you're, you're continuing with this ideology, that in itself is saying something to the LGBT community in the area. They can be, anyone in the area from where can be very proud, I think, of their twinning committee and uh, even hearing one of the public representatives, Councillor Noel McCarthy, speak so passionately about it as well and saying as soon as he heard it, he 
wanted absolutely nothing to do uh, with it. Uh, thank you for your calls and texts. Um, keep them coming. 0862 103 103. Now back to coronavirus and in particular people picking up on schools that are continuing to go on school tours. We're coming into, usually around Easter time I think is the busiest time for transition year and it seems second year students as well to go on overseas trips. So we've already had some that would have happened over the midterm and we know that brought coronavirus back into this country. But one listener was on to us because the school in West Cork daughter came home to to our daughter came home to tell her that the transition year students, the fourth years, are going on a trip to Rome, she says, in about a fortnight's time. And this particular parent is quite shocked. She thinks it's outrageous and feels all of those tours should be cancelled, particularly from a country like Italy that has the biggest amount of coronavirus outbreaks anywhere in uh, Europe. Hi, Patricia, says this texter. I think it's irresponsible of the parents who are skiing and who went skiing to northern Italy to return to Ireland and then let their children go back into school. Everybody knows where the virus is and they should know the danger involved. I have no faith in our government to control any outbreak in Ireland, says this texter. And I'm assuming that's to do with the family from Clare who were skiing in northern Italy. Well, I don't know if they were skiing, but they were certainly on holidays in northern Italy. Uh, we assume they were skiing because it's, it's the main ski area. Came back and now the fact that both of the schools, there's a primary school and a secondary school in County Clare that are closed now for two weeks because they've had contact. So the children must have gone back into school. So this listener is, is saying that they, they should have self-isolated because they came back and wouldn't have been showing any symptoms that since they've come back. They've obviously started showing symptoms. But all four of them now have been diagnosed with the coronavirus and self-isolating is something that the government is not asking any anybody to do. They, it, it, that is happening in the United Kingdom even though it doesn't seem to be working in the United Kingdom when you look at the outbreaks over there but we haven't got to the stage where we're self, being asked to self-isolate in this uh, stage in this country yet. Lock Ireland down says the texture. If you want to go on holidays uh, go but stay there. We live on an island and we should not have any case of coronavirus. We have it because money is more important than health of this country says this listener. The hospitals are not able to cope as it is and then you add this to it. What will happen I wonder. There's somebody else very worried about what is going to happen. Hi Patricia what about shopping trolleys and shopping baskets? Are they being regularly cleaned? I don't know but if you want to ask when you're next to the supermarket we did hear yesterday of calls in from some supermarkets to say people were in shopping and that the people working at the tills are wearing gloves, rubber gloves and I'm assuming that's to not expose them to the coins that they would be using because coins, money, great place great place for virus because if you think if somebody, again it goes back to good hand hygiene and if somebody has a cold or somebody, God forbid, ends up with the coronavirus and if you cough or sneeze into your hand imagine if you walked into a shop and you take money out and you're handing the money over the virus is on your hand, it goes onto the coins and you pass it on to the shop assistant who then obviously can pass it on to somebody else. So we were hearing some supermarkets are offering, I'm sure, I'm sure they're not insisting that their staff wear gloves, but they are, But how you would work with those disposable plastic gloves all day on your hands, I mean, if you've ever put them on even for the smallest period of time, they really make your hands sweat. I don't know how you would work in them all day, but I suppose people are on the side of just being very, very careful and they're wearing those gloves instead. And Catherine says the government should ban all school trips in the interest of everyone and let the people get back their hard-earned money, kind regards, says uh, Catherine. 
Uh, yeah, but as we, as we know, when we did our interview last week, you'll only get your money back if there's a government advisory not to travel and it and that's you have that kind of cover in your insurance. But certainly if schools just decide to take the decision because maybe parents will, they might come under a bit of pressure from parents to cancel the trip, then certainly we know you're not going to get your money back there uh, for sure. 1850-333-103 on rats when we spoke about rodents in the last hour. Hi Patricia, on the subject of rats. My daughter has a bird station and would you believe a rat brought the whole thing to the ground yesterday. What a brazen bugger he was. Eating away and then he stepped off the drain over onto the wall and he actually brought the whole thing to the ground, says uh, Phil. So they can be quite strong as well. And that's a bird feeding station, you know, that's up high. And actually they're meant to be designed so that rats can't get at them. But obviously this rat was well able to get get at, get at it. Mike in Bantry says, keep a mouse in the house. Oh, sorry, keep a cat in the house. They'll soon get rid of rats and mice. And it's true, anyone that has an indoor cat in the house, you will never, ever, ever have to worry about rats or uh, mice. And hi Patricia, I was listening to your story about the crow dropping the bread on you a couple of years ago when you were out in your garden. Well, a number of years ago, I was walking in the middle of nowhere, outdoors, when out of nowhere, a golf ball dropped down right next to me. The nearest golf course is 20 miles away. Doesn't it bring a whole new meaning to a birdie? It does indeed. And somebody's having, I think somebody's having sympathy with the mouse that we've just caught in the office where John Paul is sitting at the the moment. Uh, Somebody says that mouse may be in the family way. Uh, yeah, are the I'm more worried about that the mouse may have a family somewhere and that we could end up with a lot more than just the one we we're banking. It's only the one, but we're going to have to wait and see. 1850-333-103. And thank you to Kiskame National School. And my apologies if I caused any confusion this morning, but it was a listener told me that the school, uh, that she hadn't sent her children to school because there was no water in the school. And we do know the village of Kiskame is without water this morning. Uh, Kiskame School have been on to say they're open today. They're working as normal. They never issued any notice to parents to say the school was closed. The school is running at full capacity. The school has water. And would you believe they have rainwater harvesting for their toilets. There's a very proactive school, so thank you for that. Uh, get your pet questions in, please. 1850-333-103. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Mallow Art Club are hosting Marion Hayes demonstrating an impressionist style seascape. It's on in the Mercy Centre with a half seven start tonight. Francis Curtin will host the music room in the Pierce Memorial Hall in Bohap Way. Starts at eight. All are welcome. Tully Lee's Drama Group, they're staging the three act comedy Pretend Sick. It is on in Tully Lee's Hall tonight, eight o'clock, and it is described as a show not to be missed. While the Glen Theatre. Uh, in Bantier, the drama group there are presenting Maiden Aunt that's on tonight and again on Saturday and Sunday and then on Monday the 16th that's the eve of St. Patrick's Day they are showing separate beds tickets are available 02956234 and can Turk transition your pupils they are staging High Street Musical 
in the Adele Queen Hall in Cantark. It opens tonight and it runs again on Friday and uh, Saturday. And a trad folk band called Gatehouse will perform in concert in Ballyvorney tomorrow night, Friday at uh, 8 o'clock. And there is a coffee morning in Kildallery Parish Hall on this coming Saturday. It's from 10.30am to 1pm and it's the annual coffee morning that's held in aid of St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville, organised uh, every year by um, uh, Orna Coogan. So if you'd like to go along there, Kildallery Parish Hall this Saturday morning, half ten to one. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And keep your pet questions coming because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us in the next... 10 minutes are so I can see pet questions coming in and actually when I was talking about birds uh, dropping items out of the sky as they fly over I was talking about the full slice of bread landing on my head and then somebody had a golf ball dropped out of the middle of nowhere. Um, a listener says on uh, where's it gone by on WhatsApp says I was walking one day and a bird pooped on my leg. I won a lot of money after that, says Mary. Well, that's meant to be very lucky, so well done to you, Mary. 1850-333-103. Let me go back to Bantry Hospital and the exceptional service that they provide. Uh, Albert's in Copine and he's got a story to share with us. Good afternoon to you, Albert. Good afternoon, Patricia, and good afternoon to the listeners of the Super Duper Station. Thank you very much. You uh, were, you did, you recently were, you a patient at Bantry Hospital? I was indeed. Let me very briefly sum it up. Okay. I had what is known, Patricia, as a long camera colonoscopy done in Bantry Hospital. Now, just so that you understand her and the listeners understand, there are two types of colonoscopies. One is done with the short camera which is about 75 centimetres long. But the other one is no fun. It is done with the one and a half metre long camera. And I won't go into the (laughs) detail, but you have a good idea where they put that down. Now, Patricia, since I'm on my own and I run the Cork Animal Care Society, registered animal welfare charity, I had to get back to the sanctuary, so I elected to have this done without sedation. Oh my now, God! <coughs> they well, I found, <laughs> Patricia, I found out later on that it's about one in nine hundred and fifty people who select no sedation. Everybody else wants sedation, but did I know? Anyhow, cutting a long story short, from the minute I walked into the place, from the receptionist to the nurses to everything. My God, love, I had the first one done in CUH, but there is no comparison. They were so nice. And Patricia, again, cutting it down, I was laying on the table, and as you know, you know, a one and a half meter camera and your intestines have a very nasty little, I would almost call it a hairpin bend, and the goddamn camera has to go around that bend. And there was a time, love, I cried out with pain. I really cried out with pain. And you know something? To this day, and I won't forget it as long as I live, the nurse there, there were two nurses, and of course the, the surgeon there, she grabbed my hand and she said, you're doing great, you're doing oh, great, yes. you're nearly there. And you know something? I, uh, In all my 75 years old now, I have never had such support, such kindness, 
I, I just I just had no words. So what I did when it was all over, <laughs> I could crawl back into my car and go home. You know, Simpat, I actually tracked down the general manager of Bentry Hospital, and I wrote to her in my capacity of director of the ICS. I said to her, this is exceptional. I said, you probably will get endless complaints of people you know, who weren't happy, but this is the opposite. And remember now, and this goes to all your listeners, well as girl, if you're happy, tell my boss. If you're unhappy, tell me. And if you live my dad, anyhow, so I think it was appreciated because in fairness, I named every single individual in a delicate about eight from the, the lovely lady at the reception who checked me in to all the nurses who stuck me in a bloody gown and <laughs> made me drink awfully unpleasant stuff. You know, but in fairness, free parking, the best of care. Patricia, as God may strike me down, girl, nothing must ever happen to Bentry Hospital yeah. because I've been in there several times. Everyone, every e- Albert, time. everybody says it. Literally everybody says that the quality of care and it's the, you know what I love about your story is it's the kindness and that's not to take from the larger hospitals but the CUHs and the Mercy Hospitals, they're just so busy. They don't have time to stop, smell the coffee and show that little bit of extra attention that somebody needs and that's what you get in Bantry. You get it in Mallow Hospital uh, as well. Um, it's that it's that stopping to be kind for those few extra minutes. And you know something, Pat? She didn't have to do that. She didn't no. have to grab my hand. She could have just said to me, hey, you know, come on, be a big guy. Stop crying. Or I wasn't crying, but I cried briefly with the pain. But no, no. She said, my God, she said, you're nearly there. You're doing great. And she grabbed and she held my hand. Now, in fairness... I mean, that was way and top above the call of duty. There was no need for her to do it. But she could see that, you know, I had it a bit tough. And it was when that damned camera had to go around. And (laughs) And Camille, was it, I'm I'm afraid that was it good news? Was everything okay? Absolutely. Brilliant. They say, come back, come back a year from now. But so far, they took out two little polyps and... You know, once and come here, uh, if, if, if you go back in a year's time, will you bring someone with you and get the bit of anaesthetic and <coughs> let somebody uh, else drive you home? I I have to start thinking about it, Pat, because it wasn't, let, let me put it carefully now, it wasn't the most delightful experience. And, and there, be, there will be loads of people, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who know you, who would be only too happy because all you really need is someone to drop you off. They, someone doesn't have to sit and hold your hand because they look after you in Bantry. So you just need somebody to drop you off and, and pick you up afterwards. That, that's probably true. But let me just share one little secret. As as director and the co-founder of the Cork Animal Care Society, I must have made so many friends in inverted commas that my standard joke girl is the fact that when that bugger finally dies, champagne corks are going to darken the sky over Cork because thank God he's gone. And if any of your listeners really <laughs> want to be punished even more. I'll be speaking in the City Hall this coming Saturdays at the over 50s. I've been asked to give a little lecture on animal welfare. Okay. Right. So I will actually be there and <laughs> maybe a kind person will come up to me and say, hey, next year, call me and I'll take you there and I'll bring you back. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. I, I That's not a West Cork and it's not a copying accent, Albert. Where were you originally from? 
I'm originally from Holland. Holland. But as you know, these things, every foreigner, whoever comes to Ireland, you'll ask them the one question, what the hell did you end up here? And you know what uh, no. they say? I fell in love. Oh, I, right, with a genuine O'Sullivan and, you know, the longest history. I would, ne- I would never say that about West Cork or indeed any part of Cork. It's a fantastic neck of the woods to end up. And how long are you here, Albert? <coughs> oh, boy, 1994. So oh, you can do the sums, girl. I mean, I'm half a native. Yeah. Right, yeah. if you want to go gallivanting and leave your messages, I smile because I know what you're on about. Yeah. But you know something, girly? You'll never, ever become a true person and there's no need for that right but I pay my taxes I do something for the community and I think that's important and you run you run an animal charity a sanctuary I do uh, that's correct I run the Cork Animal Care Society if you look on Facebook you'll find us for over 19 years I've been together with some fantastic other people running a real animal welfare sanctuary organisation Pat, I tell you, the support I've had from people is unbelievable. I picked out a cat who had been in a tree for eight days in Clonakilty. The whole story was on uh, the front page of the examiner. The cat had been in there eight days. A lovely fellow, Murphy Cranehire, got his son to pull a 140-foot crane off a building site. We had the guardie close the road. I got the call when I was in Mellow at 12 o'clock and by 6 o'clock that evening, Patricia, that cat was down. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm just on your website. You're at the Cork Animal Care Society. You've got a Facebook page. I you? do indeed. That's you, yeah. The gorgeous animals on it. Well done. Uh, well done. Okay, listen, ple- real pleasure talking to you, uh, Albert. Um, and no doubt we'll chat again. But listen, make sure you get somebody to bring you next time, okay? And well done to Bantry Hospital. And well done for you for taking the time to write to them and also for sharing the story with us today. I, I enjoyed ch- chatting to you. Thank you, Albert. It's my pleasure. Patricia. Good afternoon Thank to you. Thank you very much. Bye bye. What a lovely man, Albert in uh, Copping. And the people want to support what is a great charity. It's the Cork Animal Care Society, is the name of the group. I'm just seeing there's a text message service where you can text CACS to 50300 uh, to donate €4. Uh, euro. Well done. Well done. Uh, long may uh, they continue. Talking of animals, if you have uh, an animal that's a bit unwell at the moment and you would like our resident vet, uh, Jane, to help you out, get your questions in now, please. 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel & Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Egg foil mock quid then and here is Farlin. Shaw eight thrower C one oh three air kirkig. She balancolic gunpowder mills count us nafurgan of Svarula is simula e gurkig. Bunny Savlian Shachtiak and Noha Kahar, Agas Bunich Vimas, Kdi Lewis Vihuhish, Agasak Point of Oin Visuas Le Kuig Hiat Bene Egobers Namilte. Inchiter Skiel Bioga Fensel in Aidens and Ochtu Agasan Nayuhish Diag, Snafurgan of Shaw, Perfeder Fools Kurtuhurtaha, Hopork Regunach Valen Holiger and Palta Inish, Agasai Oskata Dum Bubble. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Erin the Bliana Erfad, begin to go good into air at the Lister, Honkur to Hortez. Nocta, quid denaneha, is Fari Gorkic, C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And Jane Pickett, our resident vet of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joins me in the studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. And you are very welcome. Uh, questions, please, for Jane. John Paul has taken them 1850-333-103. And I can see them coming in by text and WhatsApp as well to 0862-103-103. And a listener wants to know, and I thought we'd get this question in, can a dog or a cat pick up the coronavirus? This lady is worried. She's got an old dog that she reckons wouldn't survive. Mm, this is a really, really difficult question at the moment. And I think very much like the human situation, we're learning more and more about the virus every day. It's very, very similar with dogs and cats. Now, I know there has been some things in the news that there was potentially a, a dog in one of the other countries, not this country, of course, um, that had low levels of the coronavirus were suspected. And that's where the dog's owner had the, the coronavirus. Dogs, yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was what we call a reverse zoonosis, so um, a transmission from a, a human to an animal. Now, whether that was direct transmission, we can't prove. It's very, very difficult, and I suppose the information that's out there and available is is very, very scarce essentially I I would say at this moment in time I would just try and take care of yourself because we know certainly that it seems to be that humans seem to be kind of the main carriers that are spreading it around at present so I think just ourselves to take care and try not to pass that particularly let's say to older people and I suppose our listener is quite concerned because it's an older animal they have and we'd always be worried in the end of the day they're part of our family what I would say is at the moment there's no clear evidence that that seems to be a primary pathway of transmission I think we're learning more and more every day so I think it's not something certainly that we can rule out massively but I think just general vigilance ourselves with our own hygiene certainly that will because is is that is that unusual or usual for Oh, I'm not talking about coronavirus, mm. I'm talking about other diseases. Can you pa- can a human pass to an animal? Can an animal pass to a human? 
with some things yes you yeah. know it's it's really interesting it's not something that we very regularly see reported but anecdotally we we would get let's say um the most common thing we would sometimes see is dogs and cats that would come in oh he's got a, a fierce bout of diarrhea or he's you know he's had a little bit of a bit of vomiting in the last few days he's off his food I'm like hmm, that's interesting that's fine it may well just be viral you know symptomatic treatment and then at the end of the console they'll just drop in Sure, everybody in the house had the vomiting bug last week. And you're thinking... And you begin to wonder. Now, for us, it's incredibly frustrating because as as a clinician, you'd always find these things very interesting. Where have they come from? But for us, it's very it's very difficult for us to ever prove that there would be transmission like that. But we have our suspicions sometimes of some things, yeah. but I suppose it's only natural. Yeah. A lot a lot of diseases are very kind of um, species-based, so they would run Except for things like with. ringworm. Ah, yes, ringworm is an interesting one. We see that, that all of the time. That passes, <laughs> doesn't it? It does, That's, it does. Yeah. So ringworm is actually a little fungal disease which grows on the skin. Um, the, classic, the classic thing we would see is circular lesions um, of hairlessness on our dogs and cats. Um, cats are sneaky though. Cats can carry it and not really show very much yeah. signs. Um, Until so there's they an outbreak be, in the house. Exactly. They tend to be the silent spreaders. Um, but certainly, you know, humans and I suppose vets, it's an occupational hazard for us. I, I don't know a vet in the world who hasn't had ringworm at one point in time because we deal with pets all of the time. So very much in humans, you can get little little lesions that are very similar um, on the skin. So that's that's a perfect example. I can't Good, good thinking there. Okay, Mary, <laughs> let's get into your questions. Mary Amalo has a Bichon freeze, 16 and a half. He's gone blind. He is eating, but uh, she has to help him in and out to the mm-hmm. toilet. He's having difficulty finding himself back into the, to the house, obviously, because mm-hmm. of the sight loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything can be done? It's just an old dog. I think this is a really challenging one. Um, certainly old age comes to us all um, with our pets, I suppose, because they have shorter little lives relative to us. We we have the privilege of seeing them usually from their puppy days to their last days. And I think our reader sounds like she's or our listener sounds like she's doing a fabulous job taking taking care of her pet in in, in its dotage, as it were. Um, sight loss is a real challenge, particularly when it's combined with other, let's say, geriatric diseases like perhaps a lack of mobility, stiffness, other other problems. Um, usually with dogs particularly if they're younger when they have sight loss they tend to adapt they almost make a mental map of where everything is and they tend to after an initial adjustment period adjust quite well in older dogs sometimes we don't see that phenomena so sometimes um, it can be sight loss just over time whether it be cataracts or a problem with the eye elsewhere sometimes in our older patients we can get problems where they become bilaterally so on both sides very blind very suddenly if there were to be a problem deeper deeper inside so within the brain so something for example like a, a brain lesion or a brain tumor now these are all very scary things and i think have a chat to your vet Sometimes the problem we see with older dogs with vision loss is uh, it tends to kind of come hand in hand and around the same time as we see a little bit of senility creeping in. So perhaps they're not as well able to make that mental map of the world and to be able to cope and adjust. So they do certainly find it an awful lot more of a challenge. I think what you're doing is great. You're helping him in and out. You're trying to make life as easy as possible. Um, I think the real the real difficult question in this case and in a lot of cases when our pets get a little bit older and they have some some problems is is their quality of life yeah so if you feel that your 
your pet's quality of life is is not what what it once was if the, the joy de vivre is some some kind of dissipated away I think it's time to potentially have a chat with your vet see if there's anything you can do to help any measures that can be taken or any diagnostics that need to happen to figure out what's underlying the problem and if there's anything that can be done but I think but you may have to consider having that tough decision yeah you might have to consider and it is, it's, it is hard time. but all of us pet yeah. owners face it unfortunately at, exactly. at some stage exactly. okay a listener has a problem about a dew claw yeah. Duke Claw. Um, okay, this is it's a terrier belonging to a relative hers. Uh, the vet said that the, it, he got it, it got injured, and the vet said that okay. it had to be uh, removed. The mm-hmm. following day, the dog tore the bandage off, oh. and the Duke Claw had only been clipped; it hadn't been removed. Anyway, they toodled back to the vet, mm-hmm. and that's the vet. This listener feels fobbed them off saying he did the best that he could. Anyway, they had to get antibiotics for the dog. The dog was very sick and miserable. Um, the listener feels after an unnecessary general anaesthetic that the dog's owner could simply have clipped the piece of nail themselves. Mm. Uh, any advice from an upset caring dog owner? I think this is a really difficult one. And I think without, let's say, without myself stepping into the vet in question shoes I, I can I suppose it's very difficult for me to comment without having seen the situation at the time if that makes sense I think as vets we always we always try and do the best we can with the situation in the least stressful or least invasive way for our, for the pet in question to try and get the best outcome Dew claws can be really, really tricky. Now, they're little. Yeah, so they're, they're almost, little, if you imagine the Like an the extra pole, finger nearly. They're almost like the thumb. They're like yeah. a little vestigial yeah. thumb, as it were. So they kind of sit up kind of at the wrist level. And they do imagining. get damaged, do they? They do. They yeah. are little devils for getting caught in things. And, you know, part of that is that sometimes they're not um, kind of kept as short as they should be. If they become long, they're almost like a little long hook because they won't wear like the other nails on the feet. They won't have any contact with the ground to kind of act as a nail file. So they do tend to get quite long and unruly. So make sure you keep them nice and nice and short. They can be very challenging. They do catch in things. And a lot of the time that we would see is that they've caught in something and maybe fractured the, the nail or just pulled away the nail of the nail bed. Um, and sometimes we have the quick so the little I suppose the the bit underneath that would make the nail and has the little blood vessels in it is sometimes actually undamaged and over time may even seal itself up and may if you're lucky regenerate a new nail now a lot of the time it can be incredibly painful if you've ever broken a nail I have it's absolute agony ouch 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 so I think making the patient comfortable with sedation or anesthesia is really what I would do a lot of the time but it's very very case dependent sometimes we'll have to remove the nail sometimes we have to actually remove the bony structure around it as vets we always try and leave as much of the natural anatomy there as we can if it's so the vet wouldn't have known until they went under anaesthetic and take a look to be honest that's one thing we see with our patients as well is they're really really painful it's like ourselves if you had a broken leg the last thing you'd want to do if you didn't know what was going on was have somebody poke it while you're awake so you need you need a lot of pain relief and and with my patients if they have problems and it's not immediately obvious and they're too uncomfortable sometimes I will you use chemical restraints so I'll use sedation or anaesthesia just so to make it, them more it isn't comfortable. necessarily uh, 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 it's not a necessary no, anaesthetic it is necessary I think have a chat yeah. to your vet I think as vets sometimes we, we always worry that our, um, let's say the, the parents of our patients will worry about what we've done and really we do go at it at the best intention yeah. I think have a chat with your vet raise your concerns as I say because I didn't see the dog at the time I can't really comment yeah. but I think give give your vet the opportunity to explain his thinking and, to you and, and I'm sure uh, why, why he did what he did Phil says yeah. my dog is eight months old has developed food intolerance Mm -hmm. what do you recommend it's a palm and when can I get her neutered okay Uh, food intolerance is a really interesting one actually sometimes it can just be that 
something doesn't quite agree with us so we are just intolerant to it to a certain degree um, like for me for instance I'm not a big fan of bananas I just don't get on with them um, and sometimes we see that particularly in younger pets true food allergy does happen in our pets but it is actually a lot rarer than we think we think it is somewhat over over not diagnosed but over expected in the owners okay. so we have a lot of people putting them on let's say grain free diets or chicken free diets or you know eliminating aspects of the diet that may not necessarily need to be eliminated I think if you're concerned that your dog may have an intolerance have a chat to your vet um, it may be that they might suggest an alternative food they might need to have a chat about the symptoms he's experienced as well and just make sure it's not something else that might be causing the problem if it is genuine food intolerance that you're concerned with um, and after discussion with your vet there are a number of allergen tests that can be done um and sometimes we may even in severe cases of food intolerance or food allergy need to operate what's called an exclusion diet so we'd have to put them on a very very specific diet um for a period of time to see if their signs resolve and to see if they are what we call food responsive so if, if it is really the food that's causing it so i think have a chat to your vet raise your concerns and a full physical exam is always the first step so talk to your vet as for spaying it's always the responsible choice. We have enough stray dogs and cats out in the world. Too many. Um, too many. So for dogs, um, every vet is different. So have a chat to your vet about where, what, at what age they prefer to do them. But for ourselves, we normally do most most dogs at about six to eight months. So he's re- yeah. that palm is ready? Yeah, I think eight if months. it's a palm, the one thing I'd say is sometimes it can be very, very small. Um, and sometimes a little bit of size is beneficial. So I would actually pop to your vet. Weighing them is really, really helpful to us when yeah. we decide at what point to spay them. You just don't um, want so any accidents. Yeah, don't want any accidents. So yeah. pop to your vet for a weigh-in and check. Okay, and stay, stay with palm dogs. This time we're, we've got a 10-year-old female Yorkie cross palm now was our form last Sunday she was walking with almost her back humped and her tummy drawn in she couldn't lie on her side wasn't comfortable all day however Monday morning right as rain dog is perfect eating drinking going to the toilet fine she's in full health on no medication what could it have been and if it happens again, should I consider taking her to a vet? Mm. Joan I think if, in if it happens again, it's certainly worth taking to a vet. She, she was obviously she was actually quite pain. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. So this hunched appearance is kind of like ourselves kind of doubling over. It's yeah. very akin to that. Um, it certainly sounds like she was very off form and potentially had some discomfort in the tummy. Now, seeing as it has blown over really nicely and she's right as rain happy as Larry Great news. see how she goes that's yeah. fabulous if it doesn't recur it may have just been something or nothing a little tummy upset a tummy bug a something little bit she of a hurt that didn't yeah. agree with her yeah it could yeah. have been a number of things it might have been a little pulled muscle if she had overdone it with chasing the ball it could have been a number of things if it recurs again I'd pop to your vet um, recurrence and persistence are two things that we really worry about so if something continues we want you to check it out or if something recurs we want you to check it out so I think have a chat with your vet if it it does appear again but if not as long as she's happy as Larry then that's fine Okay and a quick final one a three year old Yorkie who keeps biting his paws is it normal or is it a problem? Mm, That's not particularly normal if it's once in a blue moon potentially um, biting at paws is actually usually a symptom of discomfort but most commonly itchiness um, so itching at the paws or biting and licking at the paws is really, really common in dogs that might have either a flea or a mite infestation or lice. Um, or it isn't an area that they can scratch easily. No, it's not. But also it's an easy area for them to get to. So it's kind of like us as a 
as a habit we some of us bite our nails because it's easy to get to with dogs they don't tend to tend to bite their nails as a behavior or bite at their feet as a behavior unless it's elicited by something like itchiness or pain so i think it is a really common area that we see the signs presenting sometimes it can be an underlying skin allergy there can be a number of things have a chat with your vet we need to rule out that it's not a parasite it's not an infection in the nail beds that it's not an infection between the toes and just see dig a little bit deeper and get to yeah, the bottom because of it. I know in older dogs, mm. somebody uh, like I, we had a dog years ago constantly licking and sort of was arthritis. They were trying to lick the pain away. Can be, yeah. yeah. Discomfort once, is really common. And once it, we got him in and on meds, yeah. he was perfect. Good. All right. Listen, thank you for that. Jane, have a lovely week and you we will too. chat to you again next week. That is Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for uh, producing. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. Billy Joe is one of the world's most popular performers. Now, see him live in New York, VIP style with C103. You may be right I may be crazy To Billy Joel in the Big Apple, Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103, then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. Save our number. 0862-103-103. Billy Joel in the Big Apple. With amigoloans.ie. Listen to win on Cork's greatest hits. C103.